Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. We're in Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19, and we're going to have an intense study this morning. So get ready to put on your spiritual armor and get your brains into gear. No one checks their brain at the door at this church. If you do, that's silliness. Do not check your brain. The theme for the study today could be God's word or the world's philosophy. God's word or the world's philosophy. That could be the the theme of the study today. So as we're going through the study, kind of keep that in the forefront of your minds. Are we focusing on God's word? Now we say we, let me rephrase that. Am I, are you individually, am I focusing on God's word or the world's philosophy? Let's look at our text. Uh, We're going to go to Acts 19. We're going to start in verse 13 to get the context of our text. So Acts 19, 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus, very important there, over those who had evil spirits saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Notice the name, the name of Jesus. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Now for our text this morning. This became known both to Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them. And it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. Verse 20, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Father, we thank you for this morning and we come to continue in our worship. Worship is not just singing. It's a lifestyle 24-7. And so, Father, we command our souls and our minds to rest right now. Whatever happened this past week, it's gone. Whatever's going to happen this coming week, we have no idea. We only know right now, this very second, where we're at. So help us to really focus this morning. I pray for the gift of teaching, Lord. Let not my flesh speak, but let your Holy Spirit speak through me. Because we want to see the name of Jesus glorified. And we want to see your your word high and lifted up. So bless this time as we get into your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 17. So this became known, this situation that we just read about became known to all Jews and Greeks. So again, um, in case you're new to the faith, um, which I just did, I met a new believer this morning, praise God. 
Jews and Greeks. So when you read this in your Bible, there's two groups of people still to the Orthodox Jew today. There's two groups of people on the face of the earth. If you don't have Jewish blood in you, you are a Gentile. That's it. But no matter what race you think you are, to the Jewish mind, okay, which is according to the word of God, as we read it, there's just two groups of people. You're either Jewish or you're a Gentile, period. Third group is you're a believer. You're a believer in Christ, okay? So, in other words, everyone gathered that was dwelling in Ephesus was a major thoroughfare, as we've studied before. They heard about this, and fear fell on them all. When I see the word fear, I often translate it reverence, reverence. Because again, we could, we could have been raised, I was raised with an unhealthy fear of God. That God was around, I knew, I knew there was a God, but he was basically waiting around the next corner to slap me upside the head for doing something wrong. Why? Because that was my dad. And us dads have a huge responsibility in raising up our children, which we'll get to later. We do have that much of an impact upon our children's lives, as well as you moms, but especially dads. And so, and fear or reverence, they reverenced what? The name of Jesus, because that's what we focused on, right? The name of Jesus. And fear fell on them all. And I have this highlighted in my Bible. And again, I'm, I'm hearing in the bookstore that we're selling a lot of Bibles. Praise God. The, the bookstore makes no profit. We just buy so that we can restock. Get, I encourage you, not out of guilt, condemnation, none of that nonsense, but just I encourage you to have a paper Bible so you can open it on your lap and get used to having a paper Bible that you're writing in, that you're underlining, that you're highlighting, that you can make one word notes or whatever. Make it personal. This should be, especially you young people that are with us this morning, this should be your best friend. And I was told this when I was 17 years old, and I have never forgotten that, and I've never been without a paper Bible. Never be without a paper Bible. I, I had it in my glove compartment. Um, we didn't, backpacks were not important at that day and age. They are now. I would have one in my backpack if I would have had one. Have one in your, your possession. And I have this highlight, highlighted. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. This is key to our study this morning. God's word or the world's philosophy Let's look at Psalm 34, Psalm 34, because this incident was spoken of throughout the city of Ephesus, and again, it caused many to have a healthy fear of the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus was magnified, not the name of the church, not the name of Paul, because remember, we read in our text there that Paul, well, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Not the name of Paul, so it's not about Calvary Chapel, it's not about Pastor Jim, it is about the name of Jesus. Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Um, Are you battling what's happening in our culture today mentally, emotionally? If you are, and if I watch too much of it, I can find myself doing that. We just need to go back to the simplicity of the word of God and realize this. I will, notice the command there. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
as we do that, you will find the heaviness that we're in will be lifted because there is a heaviness taking place. And it is brought on by our spiritual enemy. This is reality. And if you're new or visiting, or if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're not going to understand this, but I hope that you at least listen to this and evaluate what I'm saying and pray about what I'm saying. And the Holy Spirit will confirm it in your heart so that you might receive Jesus as your Savior. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. And your soul is your personality, it's your whole being, it's your makeup. So in other words, everything I have, I'm going to boast in God. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Verse 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Guys, that's what we need to do. Because again, we're in a culture that is bashing Republicans, bashing Democrats, bashing liberals, bash, bash, bash. And it's easy to do. I can get into that myself. So what's more important? To magnify the Lord, lift up his name, to remind people, well, you know what? I'm going to heaven. I'm just passing through anyways. That will perk up their interest or it'll turn them off totally. But one way or another, you just planted a seed in their mind. Wow, this guy thinks he's going to heaven. What's so great about him? And let us exalt his name together. And again, this is what we do on Sunday morning. This is the the one opportunity. If you think about this, this is the one opportunity where we have all week, all week to come together and to lift our voices in unison. We might not have the best voices, but that's irrelevant. We we don't want to be out and above everybody else, but we don't want to not sing because I don't have a good voice. No, no, lift your voice and keep it within everybody else. But let's magnify the Lord. Let's exalt his name together. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And you'll see how the Holy Spirit works even through music. And again, I did not give the guys. I never have. I've never said, hey, pick songs because this is my study. No, they pray. They pray that the Holy Spirit would lead them. And the Holy Spirit does. And it's amazing how many times, if not almost every single Sunday, the songs fit. It's, It's just unbelievable. Philippians 2, 8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he, now the he here as you read and study is Jesus, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now again, if you were born and raised a Catholic, you had cross, you had a crucifix in your house, most likely. And if you go to, when you go to church, there's always a crucifix in the church. And Jesus is on the cross. And Jesus has a loincloth on to cover his private parts. Thank God. That's, that's nice. But guys, in reality, when they were crucified, they were crucified totally naked to make absolutely sure that they were totally humiliated for the crime that they committed and that no one would ever want to go against Rome will make you feel so bad that no one will ever want to go against Rome. So Jesus didn't have a loincloth on, just so you know. He was absolutely humiliated, totally naked, our Savior on the cross. Verse 9, Therefore God also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Every name. Any name that you can think of. Today or for the last 6,000 years. That at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why it's so important to know personally, not just in a cuss language, but personally the name of Jesus and that you would never use it in a cuss word but that you would proclaim his goodness by saying, praise the Lord. When I worked at Motorola, I would say that because they would often say, ah, Jesus Christ is Lord. (laughs) They knew it was coming from me. I wasn't ashamed of it, and you shouldn't be ashamed of it. They got a complaint to personnel, I can go down and complain the same. Hey, they use my Lord's name in vain. That offends me. They shouldn't be doing that. It works both ways, guys. Just be bold. Verse 18, and many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. So notice that, the believers now, the believers, not the unbelievers. We, we shouldn't be surprised when somebody uses the Lord's name in vain or God's name in vain. We shouldn't be like, <gasps> I used to do it before I was a believer. It, it comes quite naturally because we're, of our, we're sons and daughters of the devil. So it just comes naturally to, to profane his name. And telling their deeds, also many of those who had practiced magic, notice this, brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. Here we see something very interesting taking place. You see, these young believers in Christ took some very purposeful actions. They went back to their homes And they cleared out those things that distracted them from God. That distracted them from God. They brought them back to a public area and burned them in the presence of the brethren, their neighbors, and their friends. You see, they were willing to make a public statement that was absolutely clear. We no longer follow false teachings, but are committed to God's word. Now think about our text. These are people that practiced magic. They had magic books. And so they publicly brought them and said, we're no longer going to follow these magical books, these books that teach, not magical books, these books that teach magic that are a lie. We're going to follow the word of God. Now we're talking about a very large amount of sum of money here, by the way, being burned and destroyed right in front of their eyes. This was not a riot nor looting of someone else's possessions. They only took their own possessions and freely and willingly brought them to this public gathering and burned them because they were moved by the Holy Spirit to destroy those teachings, please listen to this, teachings that had held them captive, that had held them captive. Again, Christians cannot be possessed, but we can be oppressed. You'll see my point here in a little bit. Is our society being taken captive by a small group of individuals that are called or labeled the cancel culture? If you're not familiar with that, you can Google it and you'll find out what it means. Cancel culture. Oh, so-and-so is going to come and speak to our university. We don't like him. So we're going to march We're going to petition the the highest authorities on our college campuses. And if it comes down to a riot, we will riot and destroy property. Oh, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. We'll cancel the speaker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're so sorry that we even invited them. We're so sorry. It's through fear and intimidation 
which we're not supposed to use, right? We're supposed to be tolerant. It's through fear, intimidation, and intolerance that the cancel culture operates. That's the way they operate. And that gets people, unfortunately, to back down. Has the entertainment industry through sports, movies, video games, etc., influenced the thoughts of our culture and taken them captive? If you don't think this is true, put away your toys and see if you can go a week without doing your toys or your videos or your things, your games. See if you're not held captive by them. Have we allowed the enemy of our souls to come into our homes, our minds, our hearts to take us captive to the health authorities of this world? We have a country and even many believers that are living in absolute fear. Now again, I'm not against masks. I'm not pro-mask. I, I just respect and honor people. So if I go into a store, I wear a mask. I just want to respect and honor them. But I sure do feel bad that people have to wear them all day long. And we're not going to go down that road. But anyways, have we been taken captive? Where even one of the presidential nominees is saying if he gets nominated, he's going to encourage every governor that every state, every person wear a mask in, outside of their house, no matter where they go. No matter where. For three months. And if we do that for three months, it'll stop the virus. I think I heard this four months ago, that everybody just locks down for two weeks, the problem will be taken care of. Well, if we lock down for two months. Well, we've been locked down for four months. You know what? I don't know. You know, thinking about these young believers did publicly, it's a good example for us. You know, I remember back in 78 when I received Jesus as my Savior. I had vinyl records. Now, some of you don't know what vinyl records are. But they were, they were these black discs. They're really thin and they're about that big around. And you put them on a record player. Now, I know you, you, you might have to Google this. But you put them on a record player with a little needle and you put the needle on it and the record spun around and music came out of these speakers. It was amazing. I had a bunch of secular music. I went to a football field and they fly wonderfully. It is so amazing. If you've never done it, Take a plastic bag with you, clean up the garbage. I didn't leave it. I cleaned it up. What I, destroyed, what I broke, I cleaned up. But man, they fly 30, 40, 50 yards. Bam, poof. So cool looking. Ted Nugent, though, took three tries. <laughs> Satan didn't want to let that one go. So my brother received Jesus. Now, he had hundreds of records, hundreds of records. I was visiting him one day. And uh, he had received Jesus, and he knew what I did. He goes, well, what do you think I should do? I think I'm going to take these down to the record store and trade them in. And I didn't blast him. I didn't beat him up with a Bible. New believer, I said, well, you know what? Let me, let me just say this to you. If it's not good enough for you, why would you sell it to somebody else? If it's not good enough for you, you know, do what you want to do. But if it's not good enough for you, I, I don't get why you would give it to somebody else. And I left it at that. Came back a couple weeks later, and I noticed all of these records were gone. I go, man, what'd you do with your records? What'd you do? He goes, I took them out in the back and smashed them with a sledgehammer and put them in the trash. I go, praise God. Wasn't good enough for you, was it? No. Don't have a garage sale and sell those things that are inappropriate to others, who will then become entrapped by the enemy. You see, I can stand up here as a personal testimony. Maybe this is not you. But this was me. I was trapped by the enemy. And to this day, if there's certain songs that come on, 
even though I have a two-week memory and I have a hard time memorizing scriptures and remembering scriptures, it's amazing how certain lyrics to a song, I can start singing right along with that song from the 70s. And I haven't listened to secular music for, since that time. I don't, except if I'm at a wedding or something like that. I don't listen to it. I listen to Christian music for the last 42 years. It's amazing how powerful the mind is. But rather, clean out your own home and destroy them in some way so that no one else will fall prey to the enemy. Now, how do we know if things are appropriate or not? Well, by reading the word of God and by being attentive to that still small voice that leads us into all truth called the Holy Spirit. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Listening to that still small voice. And don't burn vinyl. It's really bad. 1 Peter 1. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice that. When you received Jesus, the first, when that moment you received Jesus, you felt grace. You didn't understand the depth of it, but you knew, wow, God, and you might not have been able to express it, but you were like, wow, God just forgave me. And there was like a ton of bricks that just went off your shoulder. God, that's called grace. That was called grace. So therefore, gird up the loins of your mind as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. You see those things I was doing pre-Jesus? I was doing it because the rest of the world was doing it. Ignorance just means unknowing. You were unknowing what you were really doing. I was worshiping Satan through that music. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Notice that, guys. This is just not for the pastorate. Peter's not writing to pastors alone. He's writing to every Bible-believing Christian. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. In fear, in holy reverence of God. This is speaking to you and I this morning. For you young people that are being told the Bible's not relevant, here it is very relevant. You're hearing from God how you should conduct yourself. Evaluate what you're doing, pray about it, and stop doing it if the Holy Spirit and the Word of God tells you to. Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Notice again, Jesus never sinned. Let's look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. By the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus never sinned. Contrary to what someone recently said on the news, that Jesus was just like everybody else, a sinner. 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. So notice this. No matter what comes our way in the next four years, the foundation of God is solid. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's pretty straightforward, right? So that's for you and I again. Timothy was a pastor, and Paul's writing to Timothy. But again, this is for everyone. 
But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Now, a rabbi, a good rabbi to this day, will use physical analogies to teach a spiritual principle. So if you want to get a point across to your children, especially to your teenage children, um, you want to use physical analogies. That helps them realize and, and reel them in. And then you follow it up with a spiritual principle. Because they'll be able to follow. But oftentimes what we do is we just load the double barrel and shoot them with scriptures. And they, and they don't have anything to correlate it to. So when you bring a physical analogy, and you can do this with anyone, with your mate, with your coworkers, when you use a physical analogy and then you, you, you bring the scriptures behind that, they go, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a mechanic. I turn wrenches. I go to, I go to uh, books to make sure I'm doing it right. Yeah, that's why we have to receive Jesus and that's why we go to the manual of our soul, the Bible. Wow, that makes perfect sense. So you want to use a physical analogy. So Paul's using a physical analogy here. Even to this day, how many of you have china in your house or fine crystal that you don't bring out when you're having a kitty party? You lock it away. Nobody knows you have it. But when the little ones come out, what do you get? The styrofoam cups, the paper plates, and you say, have a great time, trash them. We got another paper plate behind you. This is what this is talking about. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor. Who's the vessel? You, I. We are the vessels. Get rid of the old stuff. Get rid of it. It's unworthy. This ties in with 1 Corinthians 13 when we stand at the reward seat of Christ. Gold, silver, precious stones, hay, wood, stubble. Those things that we did in the name of Jesus out of pure motives, that's the gold, the silver, the precious stone. It withstands fire. The hay, the stubble, it gets burned up. It's not going to go into heaven with us. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified. Sanctified means set apart and useful for the master. Notice that. Who's our master? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Why? will then be prepared for every good work. You know, if alcohol is your issue and you continue doing that and you go to a company party and you're doing the alcohol, you're not going to be available for the use at the company party. They're just going to look at you and go, well, you're no different than me. I mean, man, you've slammed a six-pack already. What's with your Christianity? See, that's a practical example. People are watching us in the workplace. People are watching us out in the world. How do we behave? Very, very important. Let's look back in Acts 19. So again, we're called, as believers, we are called to cleanse ourselves from the latter. Get rid of the styrofoam and the paper plates. Get rid of the trash that distracts you from a walk with Jesus. We'll wrap it up with 20 here. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Notice that. I have that highlighted. Verse 17, what did I highlight? And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Verse 20, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and magnified. You see, because of the word, lives are being transformed, which caused the word to spread and grow even more. You see, people will take notice of a life that has been transformed, this is reality. My, my old partying buddies, they saw something different and, then, and they no longer wanted to hang out with me. Oh, you just got religious on us. 
No, I came to know Jesus. Don't you want to come to know Jesus? Get out of here. Don't come back. We don't want nothing to do with you. And they will want to know what caused that change. Now, a majority of them said that. Others, a few, and, and so if you're in this situation as a young person, you need to just realize this. Most people are going to say goodbye, but there's probably going to be one, two, or three that are going to come back maybe after that situation has gone away, and they'll privately, like Nicodemus did with Jesus, they'll privately come to you and say, something's different. What is it? You talked about this Jesus. What is that all about? But you have to be bold initially, and you have to take a stand. No, I don't need to drink. No, I don't need to smoke marijuana. No, I don't need to smoke cigarettes. No, I don't need to swear. No, I don't need to laugh at your irreverent jokes. I don't need to do that. They're going to become uncomfortable because you're uncomfortable. And again, it's going to be very simple. They're going to ask you not to come around. Let's look at Psalm 138 very quickly. Because again, we've got a, a half a study to go. So turn quickly. Psalm 138. It's in the middle of your book. And again, if you're newer visiting... The team always puts slides up and the little white cross will show you roughly in your Bible where it's at. There's 66 books to the Bible, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. Psalm 138. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, notice little g, I will sing praises to you. Are there little gods on this earth today? Yes. NFL, NBA, A lot of little gods, music industry, Hollywood. I will sing praises to you. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. Very important here. Have that highlighted in my Bible. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Everything that you have created, and God has created incredible things, Everything that God has created, his word is number one. His word is number one. If whatever he has created contradicts his word, then we go to the word. We go to the word. We always go to the word. This is very, very important because this leads into uh, this here. Black lives matters. Black lives matter. I went to their website because our whole country is being overtaken. And if you young people and some of you older saints, if you're on social media, and if you're not willing to support BLM, you are going to receive harsh judgment. And if you are not strong in the faith, you're going to cave and put it out there. Well, what does the word of God say? Well, let's just look at a few statements on what they believe on their website. Now, I copied these word for word. I didn't change anything. We are guided by the fact that all black lives matters regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, economic status, ability, disability, religious beliefs or disbeliefs, immigration status or location. We make space for transgender brothers and sisters to participate and lead. We are self-reflexive and do the work required to... Now we have a slide to dismantle cisgender privilege. So what does Black Lives Matter want to do? It's on their website. You can look it up. I'm not taking it out of context. And I didn't know what cisgender. I got to look this up. I'm not that bright. And I looked it up. And here's the definition. 
denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender corresponds with their birth sex. Now, this is not difficult. Just go to the bathroom. You're going to know you're a male or a female. It's very simple. But what do they want to do? They want to dismantle that. No, you're not a little boy. You're feeling like a little girl? Well, then maybe you're a little girl. And this is being promoted in the public school. So now that you're maybe homeschooling, you might want to say, thank you, God. So just so you know, you might want to take a picture of that. If you hear these terms, because you will hear these terms, that's what cisgender means. They want to destroy that automatic knowledge of I'm a boy and you're a girl and that's just the way it is. Up, and they go on to say, and uplift trans, black trans folk, especially black trans women who continue to be disproportionately impacted by trans antagonistic violence, which no Christian should ever be encouraged to do violence, ever, of any sort. We should not do that, except to defend our lives or our family. But we should never, I totally agree with this, should never be, that should never take place. We build, they go on to say, we build a space that affirms black women and is free from sexism, misogyny. Again, I had to look this up. Not the brightest bulb on the porch. Misogyny. Hmm, I even had to spell it out. How do you pronounce that? Misogyny. Misogyny. That's the way I remember it. Misogyny. <laughs> now, they want to make... They want to make our country free from this, okay? Not just their own lives. They want to dismantle our Christian value system. Free. Dislike of, contempt for, or ingrained prejudice against women and environments in which men are centered. That would include, in my mind, black men. Because they don't say white men. So men in general. We got an issue with men. It's pretty self-explanatory. We make our spaces family friendly and enable parents to fully participate with their children. We dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts. This is not the patriarchal practice if they would read their Bibles. So they can mother in private even as they participate in public justice work. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that women are to go out and work to support the family. You'll find exact opposite. Men, you men, you are to go out and work and do whatever it takes to provide for your family. Two jobs, three jobs, whatever it takes. Now, I'm not saying that women can't work outside the home. So don't even go there. If you're called to do that, you might be a single mom. You might be a single. If you need to work, both of you need to work. I understand all that. I get all that. But let's just go back to the Bible, as you'll see here in some scriptures. The big picture, the ideal picture, if you can arrive at that place, is the husband should be out working and the wife should be staying at home taking care of the kids. If you have children, very, very important. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. What? Is this only in the West where there's a, a man and a woman, a dad and a mom, and it has only been in the last 50 years? Is it state? This has been since the beginning of time. And in, and in every culture, there's a nuclear family structure. Requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages 
that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that their mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Did you notice a word missing there that begins with an F? How about fathers? How about mothers and fathers? Hmm. I think we see a theme here. We foster a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so through the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather, the belief that all the world are heterosexual. We want to free America of thinking that everyone is heterosexual. You can be whatever you want to be. So we have an organization that basically is six years old, informing the world that they are oppressed and will be set free from the current American political, social, and economic system that enslaves them. But what does the word say about what they believe in? You see, if we as Christians do not understand their agenda, we're not going to pick on the persons themselves. We don't go down, they shouldn't go down that road. But what is their agenda? And I just read part of it. You can read all of it. We will fall into the same trap that has actually enslaved them. A narrative that is false, laden with unbiblical truths. Again, if we believe that the name of Jesus should be magnified, now this is for you and I, we just read it in in our, our text, Acts 19, and that the word of God should be magnified, then let's learn a bit about what Jesus said about what biblical doctrine teaches us. So, Genesis 127 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. End of story. There's not seven genders, 52 genders, 100 genders. You go on the internet, be careful. I just did a quick search and I'm probably going to get stuff now I don't want. But I want to help educate you. Be careful on the internet. But there are only two sexes and two genders. Matthew 19, 4 and 5. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them in the be- at the beginning made them male and female? What did Jesus do? Took them back to Genesis, the very beginning. Genesis. And said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Notice the biblical term there. Not be joined to his woman, but be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Let's look at some other scriptures very quickly. 1 Corinthians 11. Let's step on some toes here. What does the Bible say about eliminating the male role in society? Basically, Black Lives Matters, when you look at their agenda, the bottom line is they want to eliminate the male role model. They want to eliminate the male role model, black or otherwise. 1 Corinthians 11, 2. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. Before I go on, did you notice that? The head of every man, whether you're single or married. In other words, you need to be submitting to Jesus, men. The head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is man. That's why I slowed down, because I know you women, some women would not appreciate this. And the head of Christ is God. Notice that. And the head of Christ is God. 
You see, we have order because God is a God of order. Jesus submitted to the Heavenly Father. He had to spend time in prayer to hear from his Father, what would you have me do? And then Jesus said, I'm going to go to heaven, and when I go to heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to tell you the things that I direct him to say. But yet the three are one. But there is that accountability in heaven. The Holy Spirit never has a thought, and Jesus goes, Dad, did you ju- I never thought of that, Dad. Did you just get that? That's incredible. That never happens in heaven. But yet they submit. There's submission. Why do we need that? Because we need it in our lives as well. Verse, skip down to verse 8. For man is not from the woman, but woman from the man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Spiritual principle here. Spiritual principle. Satan would not submit to the Father, but in heaven he saw the Son submitting to the Father, and he saw the Holy Spirit submitting to the Son and to the Father. Yet there are three in one. As we read these things, you want to get the spiritual ramification, or you're just going to start going, hey, I don't like any of this. This is not good. Read your whole Bible. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of the woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. Notice that, guys. The Bible elevates women to the rightful place, right alongside the man. We are co-equal in Christ, Galatians tells us. So they're not subservient. I'm the master, and I say jump, and you say how high. If you're doing that in your household, you need to repent. In Christ, you're not allowing Christ to be your head. You need to lead by example, by showing your wife, I submit to Christ so that you might submit to me. For as a woman came from man, so even so man also comes through woman. Notice that. We need each other, in other words, but all things are from God. Colossians 1.18. Turn to Colossians again very quickly. We are in our 40th year of marriage. We've been doing marriage ministry for over 32 years. We've worked with probably 600, maybe 700 plus couples. So we know a little bit about this information. So don't come up to me and argue with me afterwards because you will lose according to the scriptures. In an ideal Christian situation, the husband is submitting to Christ. He's reading his Bible. He's praying with his wife. He's guarding her physically, not walking 10 paces in front of her, but making sure, watching out for her when you leave a restaurant, when you go to a restaurant, when you're in anywhere, even at home, you're looking out for her physical well-being. Mental, emotional. You're looking out for her mental and emotional well-being. What's going on in your life? How can I help you? How can I bless you? For you single young men, please take this counsel right now and you will have a successful marriage. How can I take care of you mental or, or mentally, emotionally? And how can I take care of you spiritually? I'm gonna pray with you on a regular basis. I'm gonna take you to the word. I'm gonna, I'm gonna discipline our kids according to the word. I'm going to do my activities according to the word, which means I need to be in the word to know how to do that. And you know, I sat next to a a black gal back in the 80s who was so liberal and she let me know it on a regular basis. She had no issue letting me know it because she knew I was a Christian and I let her, I I had no issues letting her know I was a Christian. I said, wait a minute, let me ask you a question here really quick. You mean to tell me if you had a husband that loved you supremely, would die for you, 
would die for you, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and would pray with you on a regular basis, that would take you to church, that would read his Bible, that would bring the Bible to your center of your marriage. You mean to tell me that if you had that man that you wouldn't submit to him? And you know what she said? Oh, no, yes, I would. But with no hesitation, she said, but that man don't exist. Let that sink in, guys. Men, let that sink in. Even she would have submitted to a male headship, but nobody had given her that example. In her mind. I can't say nobody ever did, but in her mind, nobody did. Beware. Let's go on. And he is the head, Colossians 1.18, and he, Jesus, is the head of the body. As males, we're a part of the body, so Jesus is our head again, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence, the firstborn. Look at chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, to deal with what we're dealing with today with Black Lives Matters. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. We're against police brutality. That's why we have this group. Send money to us and we'll make sure that we get out there and give it to black people and take care of police brutality. Is that what they represent? I didn't see that on their What I Believe page. I didn't see that. You, you heard what I read. Please go home and read it yourself. No, I don't see that. The money's going predominantly to Democratic nominees if you do your research. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete. That word complete there means to render full. If you as a husband don't like what I'm saying, it's irritating you, and your husband and your wife is elbowing you right now or giving you the stink eye, maybe you need to step up and do what you need to do. Don't get upset at me. Get upset at yourself. Kick yourself in the pants and do what you're supposed to do. In him who is the head, notice this, of all principality and power. And we'll wrap it up with Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Men, if you are being an example of Jesus, your wife will not have an issue of submitting to you. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. What did Jesus do for the church, guys, men? Can anybody tell me what he did for the church? He died. Are you ready to die? Die. Die. And die. And at the end of the day, when you got to check all the doors in the house, when you go to your wife's car and she's on empty and you got to drive out and fill it with gas, you die. You die and take care of yourself. I mean, take care of her. Instead of taking care of yourself. Because that's what we typically do. We take care of ourselves. Oh, honey, you can get it in the morning on your way to work. Hmm, not a good idea. That he might present her to that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Notice, men, what we're to be doing with our wives, taking them lovingly to the word of God, not with a wire scrub brush. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. 
but that she should be holy and without blemish. So ought husbands to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Men, study that verse, and if you can't figure it out, you're a knucklehead. Husbands ought to love their own wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Hello. The more you love your wife, what do you think your wife's going to do for you? She's going to take care of you like there's no tomorrow. It's pretty simple. Pretty simple. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. Notice biblical terms here. And be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32. And this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you be in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We'll wrap it up with these thoughts. God the Father is a male. Jesus is a male. The Holy Spirit is referred to in the masculine sense. Our spiritual enemy, the devil, desires to be the center and even encourage Jesus, who created him, to bow down and worship him. He wanted to be the center and still to this day desires to be the center of worship. So if he could take anyone's attention away from the triunity of the Godhead, he will attempt to do so. So scripture, are men to be the center of the family unit? No. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit should be the center. Just as we have read in the word that God is a God of order, so mankind has an order that is best followed by the one who created us and knows best. We'll close it with these verses. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Right now you might be sitting there thinking, I'm not going to submit or I'm not going to die. Those are your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways. Well, I don't understand that. Then we can get together and talk or just start reading your Bible more and you'll figure it out, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher from the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Ways, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's all stand. It might have irritated you that study. I hope it did. And maybe that will irritate you to do some studying yourself. Is this guy right? Is he true? Is he correct? And um, I can guarantee you I am, not because of me, but because of the word of God. And our marriage is getting better and better in all aspects. And so if you can prove me wrong, feel free to do so, but you're not going to. And that's not a boastful thing, because I, I, as you see, I don't have a great memory. It's just a matter of fact. So stop beating your head against the wall. Get your act together through the Holy Spirit. Submit to the word of God. You single people, submit to the word of God now. Single ladies, single men, get used to that. And before you date, you do very diligent research. Are you a Bible-believing Christian? Do you have a Bible? What's a Bible? Okay, that takes care of that. You're off my list. I don't need to ask any more questions. Takes care of that, guys, gals. That's, That's simple. There's no such thing as missionary dating. Don't ever missionary date. Well, I went into Jesus and everything will be okay. Don't ever missionary date. You will be very, very sorry. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. If you don't know Jesus, come on up and let's receive Jesus as your Savior. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit Calvary Queen Creek dot org.